Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 43. Today I'm joined with Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. On this episode, Chip and I are going to talk about the USDA January crop report and the effects it's having on the market. We'll take a look at world demand and, and his thoughts on soybeans dethroning king corn. We'll also take a look at market strategies moving into first quarter of 2018. Chip, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Casey. Happy New Year. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Okay, so... Um, a lot of pessimism in the marketplace right now. A lot of articles I read revolve around the idea that you know crop prices are low, they're going to stay low, and there's and nothing in immediate future that's going to change that. So when you take a look at that, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of pessimism um, out there, and, and I, I see that as a potentially a good sign. Uh, although it's not comfortable to go through, there's you know any market that, uh, that you see goes through cycles of – optimism, pessimism, kind of really uh, the whole gamut of, of human nature uh, and emotions. And, and we're definitely, especially in the case of corn and wheat, uh, kind of at that stage where there's a lot of uh, pessimism and depression and despondency or whatever you want to call that. And, and that's what you kind of need. You need to get, uh, you know, everybody leaned um, to, into that camp and thinking, you know, corn's never going to rally um, until we put an ultimate low in. And, and so, you know, unfortunately, um, that's not easy to go through and, and, and or painless to go through. But I think we are there. And, and while we may not immediately go higher, I think in the case of corn and wheat, we're getting closer and closer to an ultimate low that, that might last for a while. We might be at uh, a place uh, in corn here, especially that, um, you know, we may be putting in 18 to 24 month lows and don't hear me say we're going to go straight up. The problem's still going to be getting transitioning between now and a year from now when things do look brighter out there. Um, there's still a lot of old crop stocks unpriced and, you know, the next three, four, five months still may be a little rough going here. Okay. So the USDA crop report came out today. How's that hitting the market right now? What's is what's the market saying about that report, or has most of that already been built into the lead up to today? Well, I think the biggest surprise was in wheat um, from the standpoint of planted acreage. So the wheat market was expecting uh, at least a million three less wheat acres planted uh, to as much as almost three million less wheat acres, and we came in essentially unchanged from a year ago. So the market was not expecting that, and that was a little bit negative, uh, a negative reaction to wheat. So I think that was the biggest shock out of it. Um, but as you, uh, so obviously that, you know, on the one hand, it's a little bit negative. We planted more wheat acres. However, um, you know, out in the Western Plains, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, it's awful dry right now. They're going to need some moisture. Planted acreage is only one part of it. We've got to make a yield on those planted acres, and that's a far from certain at this point. So I think we can kind of get through this on the wheat market. But actually, this is one thing as it relates back to corn. You know, if we did plant that many wheat acres, then that kind of um, makes me even a little friendlier out there um, as far as planted corn acreage goes. We're talking a lot of producers that say, I'm not going to, I'm going to plant beans, or if I'm in the South, I'm going to plant more cotton. Um, and the fact that we planted more wheat acres to me says that's even less of a pool um, that's going to potentially go to corn. So I think this might be a friendly thing for corn, although in the very short run, it's a little bit negative um, to the wheat. In, in the case of corn and beans, we, we saw a bump higher in corn yields. 
We saw a touch lower in, in bean yields. Um, we saw carryouts grow just a little bit. And for the most part, I think the market in corn and wheat pretty well anticipated that. I, it wasn't a shock that corn yields went up. The market had, uh, I think, uh, fully expected that. And so, uh, and in fact, you know, here on Friday, the, the uh, bean market closed a dime higher. So we kind of shrugged off, um, uh, you know, maybe a little bit uh, of, a, of a bearish tinge because you know, we've sold off almost 80 cents from the highs in the bean market six weeks ago. We're near multi-year lows in corn. So I think a lot of this is digested. And, and then, um, you know, I do think we're going to now transition into, the, you know, this time of year, where we know what it is, we we know what the the old crop situation was, and now we've got all these uncertainties with you know South American growing season and planted acreage and and spring weather and you know everything that uh, that a new crop um, brings with it. So to me, I think it's um, pretty well digested. Uh, the wheat market got beat up a little bit, but um, I, I think we didn't move into new lows in wheat. We've we've we're well off the lows, so. I don't, I'm not too concerned yet. I'm still not, um, I still think there's a possibility that the wheat market, um, as long as we can hold those previous contract lows from a couple weeks ago, there's still an outside chance we're in the long-term process of putting a low in wheat. That'll help take some pressure off of corn. So, you know, big picture, I, I, I think longer term, I'm, I'm friendlier um, than I have been in a while in corn and wheat. It's going to take a while to rally. Um, you know, and I think beans, you know, unfortunately from that acreage perspective, any bounces in beans, I think we've got to be, uh, you know, willing sellers, especially from a new crop perspective, um, as we could pretty uh, easily pick up quite a few bean acres if we're not uh, very careful here in the market. So that leads me to what my next question was going to be for you was, so the corn market is, is going to be uh, affected throughout the year because of the number of soybean acres that are planted compared to corn. Uh, that article I read, which was ironically enough, the uh, title was something like plant all the corn you want to, you're not going to make any money or something like that. And, yeah. And um, which I thought that was, made me laugh. But anyway, they, uh, they referenced in there, this was the first time since 1983 that soybeans acres had outpaced corn acres and and that they were anticipating that there could be some movement in the market because of that now what's going on in south america they moved from an el nino to a la nina kind of uh drought cycle and they're they're drier than they've been in the past and guys are from what i've read are having trouble getting their their uh crops planted into moisture to where germination happens like it's supposed to so do you think there could be some play on on soybeans, like you said, you know, obviously exports are going to play in that. But do you think soybeans could have a rally somewhere in the year uh, that that could bring that up, and and, a, and corn would follow? Yes, I, I think I think two things. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts um, in this. So I'll break it down a little bit uh, and try to not confuse anyone. So I do think in the short run here, um, the weather in Argentina, especially from a, a, a whatever, however you want to cut it, uh, 15 days, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, they are way below average precip. And in fact, in a lot of areas down there, they shut the planters off waiting on moisture to plant beans. So they're very dry. They've got no subsoil moisture going into this. Uh, they've been pretty warm as well. Um, pockets of Brazil are starting to dry out. And um, so I do think that there's still 
the potential in the bean market to rally a little bit based on uh, I'm not I'm not saying there's a disaster down there or you know a, a major drought but I'm just saying if you look at precip patterns versus average it's hard for me at this point unless they really start catching up quickly to believe that they've got record crops down there and um, so the the funds are all short there's been a lot of selling pressure in this in this bean market and it wouldn't take much of a spark to get a nice rally um but in the big picture that rally will likely just ensure more planted bean acre we get back towards 10 or above on november 18 um, beans you know i do think that uh, that'll continue to secure bean acres and have people switching from corn to beans so yes it it will help drag corn up with it um but i still think uh, you know in the general uh, standpoint that we want to be more aggressive at managing downside price risk on beans just just simply because we could stand to plant quite a few more acres of beans here especially if we rally i think the window though is probably uh 60 to 90 days as we um, kind of get into the heart of the growing season here in south america um kind of you know like a, like a late june down there so the next 60 days is going to be really important from rainfall uh, and temperature standpoint and um, that, that's kind of the stance we're taking is we're, we want to be more aggressive, whether that's sales or puts or some sort of a hedge uh, on paper, um, be way more aggressive on rallies in beans and then be a little more um, patient on new crop corn simply because uh, economics are starting to work. And, and, you know, just like you mentioned, yeah, plant more corn right now, it doesn't pencil and so economics will work. It, it takes a while. Uh, now we're at, at a low level. Um, we've got a lot of red ink as you look at cash flows. And so, uh, but however, beans are more closer to a break even, and it may be even mildly profitable in, in some cases. And so that alone um, is likely going to mean uh, there's a chance for more bean acres, less corn acres. If that's the case, then corn will respond to it. It will just take uh, a while. And one of these years, we're not going to raise a record corn crop. We've done it three years in a row. Um, one of these years, you know, if you, if you let's assume we, and we ran this calculation earlier today, we plant a million and a half less corn acres. If we raise a 165 crop, which is still the fifth biggest crop we've ever raised, if we keep demand where it's at, our carryout goes from just under two and a half billion right now. You shave, uh, you shave it down to about a billion four. Um, so that certainly doesn't say we got to be at six dollars, but a billion four carryout, uh, you know, that's that's four fifty, four seventy five type of a corn number for new crop. And um, so we'd want to be a little more patient on new crop corn, just simply because number one, we don't know what the February crop insurance price is yet, and it's unprofitable. So be a little bit patient on the corn. But for sure, use rallies and beans over the next 60 to 90 days to uh, protect some downside risk there. So how would you advise customers that you might be working with in places like Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, where wheat price is really low and the emergence has been an issue, drought issues, winter kill issues, all that kind of stuff. They're all going to have an, uh, an adverse effect on yield. So how are you advising customers right now that, that have – low yields and low price 
Yeah, well, that's that's a tough situation because the crop's in the ground right now in the in the case um, of of wheat for sure. So, uh, in a general sense, be a little bit patient. Go back to you know, kind of figure out what's our crop insurance guarantee. Um, you know, that's APH yield based times the um, you know crop insurance price and whatever coverage level. So, find out what your guarantee is, and that can help you say, all right. If we're close to that price level right now, um, let's be a little bit patient, see what production is. In the same breath, you definitely um, do need to be um, you know, willing to sell rallies from here. And you could definitely um, see that if these conditions continue with dry weather, if we found out there was more winter kill, you know, in a lot of cases that's going to take a while. Um, there's nothing to say that new crop, um, you know, like July Kansas City wheat uh, could easily be back, um, uh, you know, at a minimum $5. Um, and, and if you really get some momentum behind it, could easily push that up into the five and a quarter, 530 range. It, it's going to take a production threat to see that. Um, but at these levels, at this stage, if you're in a pl- an area that's that's been dry, you've got some issues, poor stands, winter kill, dry weather, whatever that combination is, you got to be a little bit patient, but lean back on and figure out what your your guaranteed revenue is via crop insurance. And um, if especially if you assume that your yields are a little bit lower, um, there may not be an urgency, uh, you know, to to get real aggressive right now or in too big of a uh, of an uproar because of low prices because of that crop insurance guarantee. Uh, we may not be quite there, but you, you probably don't have a lot of downside, especially if you think your yield's shrinking. And, uh, and all the upside of, we've got some time, there's carry in this market, and um, you know, I think there's an outside chance we can you know, be back towards um, you know, five bucks at a minimum, maybe five and a quarter in the Kansas City um, you know, by early this coming summer. Okay, so we've had record cold weather move through east coast and it's really affected just about everyone from it seems like the rocky mountains east but when you you look at the extreme eastern seaboard all the way from you know florida all the way up into maine what's the market response to what's happening there yeah so you know i I think a couple different ways some of it has been um maybe non-ag related i do think we've seen uh you know an energy bump Heating oil, natural gas have had runs higher here. Crude oil's, you know, 64 bucks a barrel. It's been uh, a, a couple years since we've seen it. Crude oil prices that high. Um, so it, it's affecting us from an energy standpoint for sure. Um, so that spills over, especially in the case of corn. That You know, from an ethanol standpoint, that help, helps blenders. It helps a little bit uh, uh, on the ethanol side. Uh, there's been some snow and moisture uh that's needed there's some you know especially here in illinois we're we're on the dry side in a lot of areas uh we're going to need uh some some snow or rain by planting time to help recharge the soils a little bit uh, one other thing is is maybe feed conversion rates in the plains uh maybe uh, haven't been uh, as good as uh, as what we're used to due to some of the weather uh been mo- more cold than than snow uh but still i think that affects uh, feed conversion so that could be you know, maybe a friendly item uh, in the case of corn. Um, but other than that, I haven't heard too much uh, over this way um, as far as winter kill or anything like that, but it has been pretty brutally cold. Um, so right now, 
you know, with no crops growing other than wheat, it, it hasn't been a huge influence. Uh, but I would say that if you look at that drought monitor, you know, boy, we're in general, we're going to need some moisture, whether it's more snow this winter or some, some rain this spring. There's big chunks of, like you mentioned before, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas. You look at the drought monitor, it even pushes up into Missouri and kind of the central part of Illinois right now. Um, awful dry. Uh, we don't have a lot of subsoil uh, moisture out there. We had enough to get through and raise a big crop, uh, but boy, we got to recharge the tank here as you get into spring. Uh, spring or we're, we might have some issues coming into it yeah. so the cattle guys that you work with right now so we have in kansas oklahoma texas where guys plant winter wheat and then graze cattle across it uh as as winter feed not a lot of that's happening right now because there's not a lot of wheat to go graze so how's that affecting your cattle customers and what do you see from a uh a cattle on feed report and how's that look yeah, so a couple things. Um, I think one thing it's affected um, is, is feeder cattle prices. It's put some more feeders um, on the market. Um, so that increased the producer's cost. If they um, you know, have been uh, banking on some, some cheap gains from grazing wheat, uh, that's not there this year. So that's increasing their costs. They have to go right to the feedlot. Some of those are coming off uh, you know, of, of that pasture or going right to the sale barn. So I think that's increased uh, fed supplies, we've seen a little bit of pressure um, on uh, on feeder cattle futures here uh, over the last uh, several weeks. So I, I think that has affected a little bit. And from a producer standpoint, you know, increase in costs a little bit, which isn't a good thing because uh, in a lot of cases we need some of that cheap uh, some of that cheap gain uh, over the winter on uh, on wheat rather than you know supplementing with feed. So I think both of those uh, perspectives. Um, you know, lower in prices on the feeder side, increasing our, our cost to gain a little bit. And, uh, you know, not a real, not a real great combination there. Um, you know, we'll see other than that. I, I don't know that we've fully seen the effects yet, um, of this cold weather and, you know, a couple little snowstorm systems moving through, you know, that will be, um, out in front of us for sure. The cattle on feed reports, we got a lot of cattle coming out ahead, you know, out into, uh, next summer and fall. And the market knows that, and that's why, you know, like June, August cattle are $8, $10 below what the nearbys are. But in the very short run here, um, demand's been pretty good. Export and, and domestic demand is, is holding us together. Um, cash cattle are trading three, four bucks, uh, um, I guess three bucks over where the futures are. And so in the short run, I think we could see some, you know, some better prices here, but um, you know, deferred live cattle, that's, that's the problem because the market does know based on the last four or five months cattle on feed numbers that there's a lot of, a lot of numbers. We got some volume coming out here in the summer and, and, uh, you know, third, like third and fourth quarter, especially, uh, of, of 2018. So that has yet to be dealt with. Um, hopefully we can get some bounces, uh, five, six dollar bounces and give us some better chances for those third and fourth quarter, um, hedges out there. Okay, so what I'm about to say here is going to be really shocking. So we're going to move into uh, to uh, renewal season for operating notes, and, and all the bankers that I've talked to so far have said that it's a lot easier conversation to have with cattle guys than it is with the real crop guys. So how do you see the, the cattle market holding up, and, and where do you see it headed uh, throughout throughout the middle of the year? Yeah, <clears throat> so, you know, obviously I, I agree with you 100%. I think in, in a general sense, um, you know, not that every turn's been profitable by any stretch, but you know, we, we're, we're coming off of some, uh, you know, some some fairly profitable times 
on the cattle side, um, uh, you know, anything on feed right now. Uh, we've had opportunities at, at way higher levels to, to lock some profits in. The problem comes on those deferred. So, you know, I, I think we could see some, you know, maybe a period, a, a quarter or two of, of break even or maybe small losses as you look out there, but they should be manageable from the cattle side. Um, I do think that, um, you know, eventually we'll, we'll shift the structure a little bit so that feeder cattle in the deferred um, cheapen up enough to at least, um, you know, get close to, to a break even um, on, you know, I'm talking like a year out from now, we'll, we'll change that structure a little bit. So we should be able to get through this on the cattle side. Um, I'm hoping, um, you know, fairly decent shape. There might be a turn or two where we break even or, or um, you know, lose a little bit of money, but we've had several turns the last year and a half, uh, two years that have made quite a bit of money. The problem comes on the grain side. Um, that's, that's an ongoing issue, a balance sheet issue. Uh, and that might be back to the acreage thing. Another thing that kind of forces the hand to some producers, these banks in, in a lot of cases are just saying, Hey, here's your balance sheet. We're going to give you X per acre and, and you make do with it. If that uh, means you can plant corn, fine. If it's beans, fine. So I, I think the banker in some cases may dictate that, that maybe we do plant a few more bean acres at the expense of corn. Um, and, and, and so, uh, again, I, I think longer term, though, um, we'll get through this, but it's definitely been uh, pretty rough on the, on the row crop guy. And, uh, you know, in a general sense, Maybe a little easier go the last couple of years on the on the cattle side. You have a, a pretty broad base of folks you work with. You know, you have of course guys in the I states, and, and then you have some cattle guys sprinkled across the country, and 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 what you have there. So times we're in, more and more people are looking at how am I going to diversify my crop mix? How am I going to stabilize away from just row crop or just cattle, or or, or maybe they're looking at different stuff. So. How many? What are your customers doing now when it comes to diversification, and and how much of that conversation are you having now that you probably didn't have in a year ago? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, so from a from a crop mix standpoint, uh, that is a conversation we're having. I'll give you a good example of that. Um, that this is mostly um, here in in the south and the east of the Mississippi. Um, two things in in the south. Cotton has had a big run higher here. Uh, it's not just screaming profitability, but you, you have new crop cotton about 75 cents a pound right now, and that's definitely in the acreage mix in the south. That will take um, uh, some acres out of corn back into cotton without question. Um, another interesting story, <clears throat> on Tuesday this morning, had a producer we work with. Uh, they're within uh, 10 or 15 miles of Decatur, Illinois. It's arguably one of the best, um, you know, basis areas for corn and beans, corn especially. Um, called me up. They said, hey, we, it's, it's cold. It's 20 below zero. We're spending time in the office. We're working on our financials and balance sheet. And um, you know what? We're putting a pencil to it. It just is, corn just does not pencil. We're thinking of switching some corn acres. And I've had this conversation with a lot of guys, as, as we all have in, in the office here, over the last few weeks, and and I go back to him, and, I, and I'm like, listen, if if producers in Macon County, Illinois, which by the way has led the state in 
corn yields for two years in a row are thinking about planting more bean acres and less corn acres, then the economics are working and everyone's thinking about that potentially. Um, so that, that conversation is definitely ongoing. And I do think that pure economics of it and profitability will mean um, less corn acres, more bean acres um, in, in, you know, in the Eastern Corn Belt and way less corn acres, more wheat, more cotton acres in the South. <clears throat> From the livestock though, we don't have as much of, of that opportunity over here to diversify into um, livestock. I, I, I do know some guys over here uh, are, are um, you know, interested in expanding on the hog side, but where the diversifi- diversification comes in, guys in the upper Midwest, the Dakotas, um, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, um, you know, kind of the Northern Plains, um, a lot of those guys that um, are heavy row crop guys, they are kind of <laughs> expanding back into cattle. A lot of those guys maybe 10, 15 years ago raised a lot of cattle. Um, they're now um, in, in the market again and trying to, you know, it, 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 on the one hand, either lessen their loss or turn the, the loss in corn into at least a break-even or small profitability by running it through some cattle. So they're back in there um, definitely in the upper Midwest you know, back feeding cattle again in some cases, trying to diversify, trying to um, spread the risk a little bit and maybe make the corn losses on paper right now a little bit better um, through cattle. So there's definitely some of that going on in the, in the upper Midwest and Northern Plains as well. All the things that are going on now and the, and the negative things you see out there, there's always some opportunity somewhere, right? There's some volatility someplace that's going to move a, move a price here or there, up or down. You can go long or short and play all the play all the games that, that everybody plays. So where do you think the best opportunity is going through the first quarter of 2018? That is interesting and, and a tough question. Um, I can tell you to start the year out here, we've seen a lot of strength in the uh, energy and crude oil markets. We've seen a lot of weakness in the, in the dollar, the U.S. dollar. Uh, I think today hit a, a four, four-and-a-half-month low. Um, so I'm just wondering, we're at all-time highs in the stock market, and that keeps cranking. Um, but I'm not. I, I'm kind of wondering if maybe uh, we may not be in the process of trying to um, get some money flow kind of into commodities, kind of an inflationary type um, push. And and so where that could be uh, to, to come back around, I guess a long answer, much longer. Um, the best opportunities may be in corn and wheat because they're the kind of the, the most beat up of anything. And if you get a little money flow in, in the first quarter um, and some more inflation talk in the news and, you know, eventually these funds are going to take their money out of a big short position they built up in corn and wheat. So they'd have to buy those positions back. If you get some money flowing in, maybe that's on the heels of, of a spark from lower corn acres or, um, you know, ongoing dry weather and weed, or we find out that maybe this uh, winter kill issue was a little worse than expected. Something could spark it in conjunction with some money flow. Uh, for sure, I think the, the least downside of any market, um, not that we can't go a little bit lower, but the least downsides in corn and wheat, and with a little bit of, of spark or money flow there, um, that might be um, in a roundabout way my best answer is, is, is maybe the corn and the wheat market, just because they're so beat up right now and almost all of the negative news digested that we can possibly get 
that uh, we may be closer to a bottom there, um, or really close to a bottom in both those markets. Well, Chip, I think we've covered it here for today. Um, I think we got a good feel for what's happening in the marketplace. If guys want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, best way is probably just uh, just call us directly. Our, our main office number is 309-550-7213. Uh, you know, you can, uh, our website, uh, www.blueReefinc.com has all our contact information on it uh, as well and some more information on our company. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, we're, we're pretty small, six of us total, so uh, you're easy to get to. Just uh, Just give us a call if you got any questions. Great. Well, Chip, I appreciate you being on the podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you here soon. You bet. Thanks a lot, Casey. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Chip for being a guest on this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. If you're one of the listeners I have in Tokyo, Japan, I'd love to hear from you. So send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform, or you can shop Amazon through the Amazon click-through at movingironllc.com. It won't cost you anything, and you'll have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find the podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.